Welcome to the Beyond the Boards podcast. Your home for all things hockey. Let's get started. Here are your hosts, Dan Coover and Dylan Terry. Alrighty, folks, we are now joined by a very, very, very special guest. He is the current Tampa Bay Lightning play-by-play broadcaster for Bally Sports Sun. He's done the CFL for TSN. He's announced the IIHF World Championships. He's done an NHL All-Star Game. Uh, please welcome on to the show, Dave Randor. Dave, how are you? Uh, good, Dan. Uh, thanks very much for having me on uh, Beyond the Boards. This is great. I know you're... Uh... Just getting the uh, things going here in the 360 Sports Network, and I'm glad to be a part of it today. Yeah, thank you so much for, uh, for joining. We're, we're really stoked to have you, um, especially as I'm a big Tampa fan. I've had season tickets now. I think this is my eighth season or ninth right. season, something like that. Um, so I guess my first question for you is, how was your first season in Tampa? Well, um, you know, as it relates to the move itself, just to, to move here, I, I moved from uh, Toronto and I landed here January 6th, uh, but a week before the, uh, the shortened seasons finally got going. And so it was a bit of a whirlwind because obviously there was lots of moving parts. It was the middle of COVID. A lot of things were shut down, especially in Canada, uh, where I came from. Uh, but I got my feet on the ground and the lightning themselves, uh, they are fantastic people to work with and work for. Uh, so they were very welcoming, very helpful and, you know, putting me up and getting me kind of situated. I've been here many times before as a visiting broadcaster, but I never, you know, now I, when I landed here, you know, I live here now. So uh, that was exciting, you know, at this stage of my career to, to work for a team uh, was, a, was a cool switch and uh, they made it great. Uh, as for, you know, calling the, the, the team games, I mean, you know, I, I knew what I was signing up for on, on two levels. First of all, first and foremost, I was re- replacing a, a legend, right? A Hall of Fame voice in Rick Peckham. And uh, one of the first people who called me within an hour of me being here, landing and getting to the hotel with Rick to welcome me, to say, uh, you know, uh, to talk to me a little bit about, uh, you know, the, the team and living here and, and just uh, offered his help any way he possibly could. And we've golfed several times since, and uh, I've seen him uh, many times since I've been here. He's just a, a wonderful guy. He's become a good friend. And uh, I can't uh, thank him enough for being so gracious, you know, uh, welcoming me uh, after he did the job so well here for 24 seasons. And the other thing I knew is that I was coming in to uh, cover a great team, an entertaining team, obviously Stanley Cup champion, chip caliber team. And so I knew that the hockey was going to be good. And uh, certainly the, uh, the season was very entertaining and fun to call. Uh, it's a great team uh, with lots of stars. And, you know, we eventually got some fans in the building, which made a big difference uh, from our standpoint in terms of doing the games. It, it was weird because, you know, we were, as you know, uh, we were doing these games in an empty arena and the players were playing yeah. in front of nobody and we were calling games with nobody there. And so uh, kudos to the players and, you know, and the broadcasters had to adjust around the league, not just here in Tampa Bay. So once the fans uh, got into it and when, and, you know, now it's pretty much full, which is great to see. And so uh, it's music to everybody's ears to hear that crowd roar. So it's been a lot of fun, Dan. I, I really couldn't have asked for a better first season it was short and quick it was condensed it was busy but i've loved every minute of it 
Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, you talk about Rick Peckham. Um, my thought was, you know, we all knew he was retiring for a while. My thought was whoever comes in has to have, you know, has really big shoes to fill, but early returns, it seems like you have some pretty big feet. So um, I, I thought <laughs> you well, did a great I job. That is, that's a great, that's a great line. I've never, <laughs> that is a, I, I, people have said what you had just said, but they didn't follow it up with your line. I like that. That's yeah. Uh, that's a high compliment. So thank you. I appreciate yeah. That. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously your partner, Brian Engblom, as a, as a Tampa fan, you know, he's somebody who's, I feel like when I watch a game and Brian Engblom's announcing it, I just learn so much. How has it been, you know, having him as your partner this year? Well, um, I said that, uh, I said that Rick was probably the second guy to call me. The first guy I think to call me was Brian. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we had spoken, uh, he called me when I, when I, when I got the job, but I was still in Toronto. Uh, and, uh, so we had spoken at that point, but, uh, he, I think you're exactly right. Uh, Brian was a player for a long time, and he's one of those players that uh, was a student of the game as well. He really understood the game. He could communicate the game. Uh, obviously, he can teach the game uh, through uh, you know, his role as an analyst, and he's got a great eye for strategies and the, and the what's and the hows and the whys that are, that are happening right before your eyes. And you know, as a sports fan, I'm just like you, and I'm just like everybody else listening. And watching this podcast, I'm a, I'm a sports fan. I watch sports, and I want to I want to learn a little bit too from the analysts. Generally, the play-by-play -play guy, I think, should basically just call the game. Right. Generally, right. the approach that I try to have most uh, more often than not. But Brian is very good at what he does. So he took all of his playing experience uh, and his Stanley Cup championships and all that experience with him into the broadcast world. He's been doing this for a long time at the national level with NBC and with ESPN. And then, uh, and then with, uh, with the Lightning, for, he, he made the same transition that I did, coming from a national job to a team job. Uh, this is, he just finished his sixth season here with Tampa Bay. And I couldn't agree more. He's a great partner. He's an excellent broadcaster. He's become a very, very good friend. And um, I'm, I'm, it's just another, for me, it's just another great part of this package uh, in terms of taking this job and, and being uh, blessed to, to get this job. He, he's a big plus in that factor as well. Yeah, you could tell you guys have excellent chemistry and that's that's really awesome to hear that you guys are able to get along out, outside the booth as well. Um, I wanted to ask you, you talk about coming from a national job. So you were, you were with Sportsnet, you've been with TSN in the past. What's the difference announcing a national game compared to announcing, you know, where, you know, you have a good mix of fans watching. Sometimes there's fans of teams who aren't even playing watching compared to announcing for a regional network like Bally Sports, where it's probably like 80, 90% of the time it's only Lightning fans watching. Is there a difference in your approach when you're, when you're announcing those games? No doubt. No doubt there is. And even more, even a little bit more than, than I thought there would be as I went along. Um, I knew, you know, my, my, my job previously to this, I worked for uh, Hockey Night Canada, which is a big, big, uh, yeah. show in Canada. It's every Saturday night and it's been on for decades. And, and uh, I'm very proud of, uh, you know, those years working for Hockey Night because it's, it's considered the pinnacle in Canada. So I was lucky enough to be a part of that. And um, so when you are doing, you know, I would be doing Calgary and Edmonton, you know, the Battle of Alberta on a Saturday night. Always a be, fun time. Always, always a great always game. Always a good time, right. Um, you better be right down the middle. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, better oh, yeah. your ball in the middle of the fairway because <laughs> You know, and even then, Flames fans are going to think you are cheering for the Oilers and vice right. versa. And right, our course. team. My my Twitter bio for the longest time used to say, "I'm you know, 
play-by-play voice for hockey night in Canada. No, I don't hate your team. And no, I don't like your <laughs> team better. And then you're, you know, so we just don't, you just don't care. As a national broadcaster, I love a good game and I love my job, but I don't care who wins. Um, so, you know, I, I primarily done that for my whole career calling hockey. I, I, I've always been, unless I was doing international hockey where I was doing Team Canada, which is a different situation. But um, so I come here. And as you said, you, you, you know who you're talking to. You're talking to you. You're talking to the mm-hmm. fans of this podcast. You're talking to Lightning season ticket holders and Lightning fans. And, and I knew that coming in. But I must admit that I even started to adjust my, my call a little bit more, even as I went along a little bit more. Sorry, the, the lawnmower guy's like right outside. Oh, door. you're good. No worries, man. Not He's killing us right now, but uh, he'll be gone in a minute. Anyway. No, you're fine. No worries. Okay. So uh, I probably found myself, I, I remember one moment in particular where I kind of caught myself. They were playing Florida, and uh, Barkov scored a nice goal. Anthony Duclair scored a nice goal. It was at Emily Arena, and they were really nice goals. Yeah. And I caught myself in my own head going, maybe I should <laughs> rein in a little bit on those Florida Panther goals. You know, of all teams, I should yeah. probably not lean on that call as much as I just did. So I, I st- even though I was already aware of it, I became even more aware of it as we as we went along, and I started to push the lighting calls a little bit harder. And and now, having said that, and I've said this before, I don't believe, and the Lightning don't want me to dumb it down so much where sure. the other team scores, and I go and they score. There's guys around the league that do that, and I don't yeah. think I think that sounds uh, cheap. I think that sounds. It's inauthentic. It's not genuine. It's, it's not who it's you are as a sports fan. I, right. I believe it sounds, uh, I've, I've said kind of bushly, and that's, that's kind of a harsh criticism for guys to do it because that's their choice, and maybe they're being told to do it that way. But I prefer not to do it. The Lightning don't want me to do it like that. They don't want me to go off the wall crazy for sure. the <laughs> opposition goal or anything like that. But the idea is to convey the excitement of the moment uh, as a play-by-play caller. But um, – to answer your question, now that the lawnmower guy is gone, uh, yes, there is a distinct difference, and I found myself making the adjustment as the season went on. I, I think I found it. I think I found the right slot. Um, uh, a lot of fans uh, reached out and, and acknowledged that, as, uh, and I appreciated that too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I definitely, I'm sure it's a big adjustment, but at the end of the day, you are a sports fan first, right? So if you see a play that's insane, there's even times where I'm watching the Lightning. I'm a diehard fan. You know, and if, you know, there's a sick call, I'm like, you know, that's, that's, that's a pretty damn good shot right there. And, and, and you know, you just got to kind of tip your hat. So, um, for sure. Let's let's talk a little bit of hockey, though. What do you think makes Tampa such a dominant team? Because it, to me, it's looked like this playoffs, there's been some moments where they've almost taken the will out of their opponents. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, there's a process to becoming the team that they are. And it comes with some failure. And it comes with some setbacks. So it's not like they haven't had uh, playoff disappointments. The biggest one, of course, being 2019. Yeah. And that keeps coming up a lot. But that's because it's such an important part of who they are right now. Sure. The lessons learned in that year after, you know, just dummying everybody on a nightly basis (laughs) with 62 wins and lighting up the scoreboard and and just uh, running away with it all. and then going in there and losing four straight after having a three nothing lead in the first period, it was a shocking and rapid house of cards uh, that, that all came yeah. crashing down. And that was noticed not only here, but around the league. Trust me, you know, where I was living in Canada, this was a big headline there as well. So 
instead of scorched earth, firing John Cooper, trading a whole bunch of guys, they took a breath, they took a pause, <laughs> they assessed, they looked at what they had, and, and understood the moment that they have here. And that this was a, a massive, painful lesson, but one that they felt that they could harness and use. And clearly, you know, that's, that's why they're so tough. That's why, you know, we're, we're recording this just after they closed out the Carolina Hurricanes game yep. five. And when I say closed out, I mean closed out. Did right? not leave the an inch, did not give them an inch. Well, you know, it was close, but they, they made all the detailed plays. They blocked shots. They had the sticks in the lane. They had clutch save, clutch scoring. Um, they, their penalty kill was excellent in that series uh, against a very good Carolina team. And they Yeah, they were a top Florida five team, too. in my opinion, I think, this year, Carolina. They, they, you know, I thought they were going to they, – they, they worried me going into, this, uh, mm -hmm. into these playoffs. But that's who they've become. So why are they so – why are they who they – what's the biggest part of who they are? I think that's, that's it. They, they've, they've gone through the ups and downs. Uh, and not just 2019, but previous setbacks as well. You know, they've been to conference finals and have been this close. Game sevens in conference finals. Yeah. They could have been to, if you think about it, Dan, they've been to two Stanley Cup finals, lost one in 15, won the other last year. And they were in game sevens of an Eastern Con Conference final twice. They yep. were a win away from four <laughs> Stanley Cup finals in a seven-year span. That's, Which is incredible. That's an incredible, incredible run with this core. So there's a lot of learning that goes on. There's a lot of trust in that room, especially with the, with the core guys uh, that come through in moments like we saw when they closed out the, the hurricane. Yeah, for sure. And then you look at the team, let's shift towards like the North division for a second, because there's a team in the Toronto Maple Leafs that they're getting a lot of flack right now, rightfully so. They have a core that's unbelievable with Matthews and John Tavares and Mitch Marner and Morgan Riley and all those guys, how do you think they get over that hump going into next season? What does the, what do the Toronto Maple Leafs need to do to get over that hump and maybe become like a team like the Lightning that turns their mess into a message? Well, first of all, I think there's two main, you know, things here. You know, you've got to look at your team and decide if you have the right guys to, to excel at those clutch moments when adversity is hitting and when you need that play, when you need that goal, when you need that save, when you need that stop. So that is debatable, whether they've got that right now. Uh, Jack Campbell, I think, has taken over as the, the goalie. Yeah, he was Anderson. incredible this year. He was incredible. Yeah, and, and he was very emotional in that Game 7 loss. You know, he let in a poor one from Brendan Gallagher in Game 7. and uh, But they didn't lose one nothing. Uh, right. And listen, it didn't all come down to that one goal either. I, I like the way he owned it. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, I, I like the way he... Uh, showed his character in, in, in that in moment of adversity, in that moment of disappointment. Uh, but there's other parts of their roster. They, they need to defend better. They don't really have a solid uh, blue line. I, I mean, you can't even begin to compare their, I was going to say top four, their top six defense yeah. to the Tampa Bay Lightning. You can't even begin to compare. No, you now, can't. of course, not everybody's got a five-time Norris Trophy finalist in their <laughs> lineup in Victor Hedman. Then you've got a guy like Ryan McDonough, who's never missed the playoffs, never missed no. the playoffs, you know, and, and on down the line. And Eric Chernak is, is, is another great example of astute scouting, pro scouting, whereby they, they turn like a kind of a, a little known part of a, of a big trade, sending Ben Bishop out of here, getting yeah. you know, Chernak as part of that deal. Nobody knew Chernak. Here? Nobody, no, I nobody didn't. Here I know who he is. Nobody I no here. I thought he was Eric just to throw in. I just, I just thought he was like to throw in like little sweetener. 
And then it turns out he could really play. Yeah. So the lighting has done a lot of that. A lot of that. So the Leafs, you know, they tried to do that. They tried to cultivate doing that. But one of the things that they've done that I that I think they've got to get away from is they continually go to a bunch of veteran guys. They bring in Nick Foligno. They bring in a Wayne Simmons. They bring in a Joe Thornton, a Jason Spezza. Yeah. All these veteran guys to help insulate their young core. Well, now you know what. Enough of that. Now it's time to let the core guys, if Marner, if you're going to stick with Marner and Matthews, which of course they are going to, they're going to stick with Marner and maybe Nylander. And those guys, your core guys, then it's their team now. And right. they have to drag the guys into the fight. So there's one thing they need to do culture-wise. The other thing that it's, that it's very difficult to do in, in a market like Toronto is that it is, it's so different trying to build a team in a place like Toronto than it is here in Tampa Bay. Yeah, I don't want to so say much like, pressure. you know what? Listen, fans here are very passionate about the lighting and they care. But I'm, I'm here to tell you, it's a different level of pressure. Uh, and yeah, well, because, because like the fans in Tampa, like we're not going to like harass the guys if we see them at Publix or anything like that about mm. if they didn't play well or, you know, there's what, like maybe four or five beat writers this team has. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure. Whereas Toronto, there's you know probably 20 guys at every media scrum at least. and whatnot. Yeah. Well, I'll give you an example. I've been on I've been on a Zoom call pretty much every day with with the players and the coach. You know, whatever. That's that's how we dealt media wise mm-hmm. with the team. I haven't had a face to face conversation with anybody this year um, because of COVID protocols. But it's basically the same five five guys every day. Yeah. <laughs> there's me. There's Joe Smith. There's uh, Mary. There's uh, uh, you know Eric Erlinson and, yep. and Ed and Cena and you know. To all those guys and so and that's pretty much it and then you know a couple of other guys may pop in and out but that's it and um in toronto or montreal or any canadian market you know you're you're 20 as you said 20 25 deep and lots of anonymous guys too like bloggers who just show up and they, they're trying to make it yeah pe- people like me people like me who are just a blog and you've never played <laughs> hockey in my life just type in about what they think and probably yeah, get so, a, lot of, a lot of things wrong <laughs> so the scrutiny there and what that leads to unless you have a very strong general manager, it leads to rush trades. It leads to panic signings. It leads to free agent, big fat contracts that you regret like two years into it um, because of the pressure of that market to get better right now take, and to take shortcuts Sure. that don't, there are no shortcuts. You need to, you need to draft, you need to develop. Yeah, sure. It'd be nice to sign the odd free agent here and there, of course, but drafting and developing is the core to any team. Just look look at the lightning. And Braden Point in the third round. Third round, Kucherov, second round. Yeah. Uh, you know, sure, you know, Vasilevsky, a first rounder, but, you know, there's a lot of development that goes on there, too. Alex Kalorn. Uh, a lot of these guys spend time with Cooper in the minors. Yanni Gord, never drafted. Uh, Barkley Goodrow, never drafted. Um, and I know he, they brought him in, but but they, you know, they, they re- again, that's where the pro scouting piece comes in. So there's a lot of things that go into it for uh, a team like Toronto. Yeah, absolutely. A um, couple more questions for you. So one thing I wanted to ask you, because you've done a lot over your career. I mean, you've done the Olympics, CFL, IIHF uh, World Championships. Hold on. You got it. People out there, I mean, I know what the CFL is. So we, we should give the CFL its proper. In fact, look at this. Uh, I'm looking where I'm wearing right now. This is, a, this is the, uh, the Canadian <laughs> Football League shirt. So I, I love it. I have that on right now. So yeah, the I enjoy the CFL. Yeah, Canadian Football League is our NFL, and uh, it's it's um, it's made up. The roster is made up of imports and non-imports. So there's a lot of American guys, um, you know, 
Danny McManus, who played at Florida State in a Fiesta Bowl, he's he's in the Hall of Fame. Doug Flutie is considered the best right. player ever to play in the Canadian Football League. A lot of guys have gone up there and stayed there and made Canada their home. Three downs, three downs. Yeah. Uh, wider field, longer field, end zones are 20 yards deep. Uh, there's a lot of little nuances. I like the running, game. the running before the snap, the motion yeah, before can, the snap. Uh, he can be in motion, yeah, before pre-snap motion, which is a lot of guys come up, you know, they're like, whoa. <laughs> get get some speed prior to the snap. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, think about it. If you if you are stuffed on uh, uh, first down and it's second and eight, second and long, you're passing. So it's, it's yeah. a pass happy league and you'll see guys regularly pass for 5,000, 6,000 yards. So it's a, uh, well, maybe not regularly 6,000, but 5,000. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, that's what the CFL is. I just want to get that. Out. Yeah, no, for sure. I love watching it. I watch it every summer. I was disappointed. The season was canceled last year. They're playing this year, I believe. Right. Yeah. It's been a tough go. It is, you know, um, I worked, I worked for the network. In fact, covered the CFL, as you said, but their, um, you know, their tail television rights are, uh, you know, a minuscule fraction of what the NFL right. gets. So they, uh, it's a gate-driven league. It, it relies upon ticket sales and, and in a lot of areas. And there's only, there's far fewer teams too. There's only nine teams. So anyway, uh, they had a tough go last year. Couldn't make it go during COVID times playing with nobody in the stands. It, it's just a non-starter. So things are slowly opening up and it looks like they're going to start August 5th, which is about a month late uh, gotcha. shorten the, they'll shorten the uh, season, and normally they would start on that July, you know, end of June, early July. Right, which is cool. Um, so hopefully they're able to get that going. But do you ever stop and just think with all the stuff you've done, like how awesome your career has been? Because you've just done oh. so much. Do you ever just stop, like look out the window of the train ride and just be like, it's incredible? All the time. I'm the luckiest guy. I consider myself very fortunate. I've, I've been around the world, literally around the globe yeah. uh, thanks to this job for Olympics, for hockey, international hockey, different events, uh, you know, Russia, China, and Asia, uh, all over the States, all little big towns, big cities and small cities all over Canada. Um, I've been very, very fortunate, been to some very cool events. I've been paid to watch sports. Uh, I get paid to follow something I'd be following anyway. Yeah, right, <laughs> so, right. Um, and I've met some great people I've had the opportunity to meet some very famous coaches and players, and some were memorable for the right reasons, some were memorable for the wrong reasons, you know. Um, it, but overall, it's been fabulous, and uh, it's been a great ride. And and this latest chapter for me is uh, uh, is a real, it's ex very exciting, you know. I'm I'm you know just over fifty, fifty three, and uh, you know at this stage of my career to come in and and work for this organization uh, and work in this city and work for this fan base it's uh it's a blessing i'm very grateful for this opportunity it's, it's a lot of fun yeah amen to that amen to that last question for you and it has to do with tampa because i saw in your bio on instagram you said you're a craft beer guy you're a big craft beer fan have you been able to take advantage of the awesome craft beer that tampa's got oh have i yes yeah. first of all uh i was more than pleasantly surprised yeah uh i I thought, I guess I just, I don't know why I thought this, but because craft beer really has become a big thing or everywhere. I just didn't assume that this, that they would have as much quality craft beers uh, available in all over uh, the Tampa Bay area and the state of Florida. 
it is fantastic. So I've been to, you know, I started at Coppertail. I've, you know, I've been there. I've been to uh, the Dunedin uh, Brewery. I've been to Caledonia in Dunedin. I've been to uh, the Bench, or is it Green Bench in uh, St. Pete? I think it's the Bench. I think bench. it's the Bench. I'm not 100% sure on that, so don't vote. Yeah, me. it's in St. Pete. Where else have I been? I've been to Seven Suns. Uh, yeah, in uh, Cigar in, City. Uh, you get up there yet? Uh, I've not been in Cigar, Cigar City. I got some Cigar City in my fridge back there. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I got some highlights back there. Uh, yeah, it's, and I've got, you know, I like uh, the Tampa Bay Brewing Company. I like the, uh, the Reef mm -hmm. Donkey and a couple of the other ones. I've got a, do I don't know what the double IPA is in there that I've got, but uh, I've got one in there that I've been waiting to try from TBC. I am impressed, man. It is very good. And I've been getting, you know, on my phone because people see my bio, some guys will, yeah. will check in and they'll go, Hey Dave, try this one out and uh, <laughs> try this place out. And, and I am, I'm checking them out. I'm making, and if I don't go there right away, I am, uh, I'm making a list. So if you have any suggestions, send me a DM and I will uh, check it out because I am pleasantly surprised. It's pretty cool. All right, Dave, thank you so much. Why don't you tell the people where they can find you on Twitter and Instagram? You want to go ahead and plug your, plug your, uh, your handles there? Yeah, I better fuck them up. Hang on. I know I'm at Dave Randolph on Twitter, but I'm checking <laughs> my Instagram handle right now. Isn't that bad? People usually just find me. They just type in my name. Okay, yeah. hang on. Hold on. Hold on. I am. Okay. I'm Dave underscore Randolph on Instagram. There you go. Uh, Dave right, underscore Randolph. And I try to post, you know, I try to post some, uh, my sister is very big into social media. So she has been urging me to post more stories. So uh, I'm trying to get into that and do some stuff, you know, from around here and uh, and I try to post some cool uh, lightning content as well so I uh, engage with with everybody I, I like engaging uh, because you know social media can be kind of a uh, you know a nasty place it can but be. it can be but my experience since I've been here has been wonderful uh, a lot of people have been you know, overly nice and uh, I, I appreciate that so I, I do like engaging with people and, and having a little bit of fun so when I say reach out about beers and stuff like that, that that's cool. And I, and I, I read it all and that's, uh, that's, that's fun stuff. So thanks right. everybody. Yeah. All righty folks. Thank you so much, Dave. If you guys have any good craft beers, Boston Tampa, please send them Dave's way. We really appreciate <laughs> it. And we hope you have a it's great It's not like I drink beer all day long, James, <laughs> but I do like the odd cold one. Okay. Every once in a while, every once yeah. in a while, while you're watching the Bolts win, hopefully. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, Dave. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for joining the program. No problem, Dan. Thanks very much for having me on, buddy. All right. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Beyond the Boards podcast. If you enjoyed it, we hope you will leave us a rating and review, as well as subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Find us on Instagram at the Beyond the Boards podcast, on Twitter at Beyond underscore Boards, on Facebook, Facebook.com Beyond the Boards podcast, and on TikTok, at Beyond the Boards Podcast. <laughs>